And so as I was getting ready for this sermon, I thought to myself, I've never really taken an IQ test. So I got online, took an IQ test, and uh, I don't know if you've ever taken one before, but I was doing well on the math and the logic problems, but then they have these patterns with shapes, different shapes and sizes, and like uh, it has a pattern of five, and then you have to pick through multiple questions the sixth one, and none of that makes any sense to me whatsoever. Uh, and so I thought I, at the end the score was going to be up up there with, you know, Albert Einstein and stuff, Elon Musk or whoever. And uh, I, ended, I ended up uh, just being in the average range. And so, so I want you guys to know I'm nothing special here today. I'm just an average person with an average IQ. Uh, but um, some people thought that IQ was so important back in the day, but people are starting to discover that EQ is actually more important nowadays for relationships, for learning how to be self-aware, understanding ourselves. And so there's a small sentence under emotional intelligence that says, simply put, what EQ or emotional intelligence is, is your ability to love yourself and others. And I think you could probably point to what that verse is in the Bible where Jesus says, love God uh, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's kind of the, the theme verse for our whole series. But the question is why? Why do I want to get into EQ? Why did someone, you know, talk about this in the 1980s? Why is it so popular now? And I would say that the answer is why this is so valuable to us today is that uh, we are relational beings. We are emotional beings. And so in order to get better at life and have more joy in life and to be successful in life, we've got to be successful in relationships. We've got to be uh, aware of how we interact with others, how our emotions affect uh, other people, and how our emotions affect ourselves. And so that's why we believe that this is important. But you would ask the question, okay, but where's intelligent, emotional intelligence in the Bible? Well, those words aren't exactly put together in the Bible anywhere, but we believe that God ultimately wants us to be emotionally healthy beings, okay? And there's so much in that. We're going to unpack that, but uh, oftentimes we think that God just wants our spiritual life, you know, the things that we do at church, right? The things that we uh, do at home in our alone devotional time, prayer, Bible study, you know, uh, singing worship. We think we check that box off and we're good. My spiritual life is separated from my relational life and my emotional life. But the title of this message is that God wants all of you, not just the spiritual side of you, but God wants all of you and me. He wants to come in and change us from the inside out. That includes how we interact with other people, how we deal with the thoughts and the feelings that we have that come up, because those things affect how we live. They affect the choices that we make. God wants us to be aware of ourselves and how we treat other people, how that affects other people. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today in the Bible. And so my first point then is a deeper definition of what emotional intelligence is. It says this, EQ measures your emotional and relational health. It's the ability to know yourself and to empathize and understand others. Okay, so... As we were praying earlier before the sermon, I would ask you, and you, I hope you would agree with me, there's probably never been a more important time in, in our nation, in our history, in, in, in our current history, that we need to get better 
every person, including our president or president-elect or whoever, needs to get better at relational health and emotional health. Empathizing with other people, understanding other people, understanding ourselves. And so that's what, why we think it's so important. And, and for us, I mean, we can't just blame the people that we see on TV because we're all guilty of not handling our emotions the best way that we know how. But in this point, I also wanted to point out that there's, there's two aspects then to emotional health. It's myself, first of all, like how do I react? How do I uh, understand these feelings that come up inside of me? And then where, where, where's the root cause of this problem that's happening? If it's a bad emotion, it's causing us to act unhealthy. Where do these things come from? What happened in my life that causes me to act or react this way when an emotion comes up? And so that's the first part of EQ. And I just want to tell you a quick story about myself is that I am more of a logical thinker person than I am a feeler person, you know? Like, I haven't got quite in touch with my emotions yet. I think it's a, a, a lifelong uh, journey that I'm going to be on the rest of my life. Now, I, I'm not saying that one way is better than the other way. I'm saying that God wants us to be balanced in this way. But I've always been more of a thinker, and I've kind of uh, hid from emotions. I actually you know, struggled with addiction when I was younger in my teenage and early 20 years. And when I finally got clean and sober at the age of 26, I started to see that uh, although I was physically 26 years old, emotionally I was probably somewhat of an adolescent boy because I realized that I would use alcohol or drugs or party or I would try to get attention or, you know, watch things or whatever, all of that was to kind of hide from my emotions and not deal with what was going on inside of me. All of that was to mask and to, to cope and to self-medicate. And so I was way behind in my early adult years. And, and, and so I started getting really involved with church, though, because one thing that does make me emotional is God and His Word. When I'm in his word and I'm worshiping and I'm understanding how much he loves me more than any other being on earth could actually feel that way about me, that makes me emotional. And so that drew me more and more to the things of God and the spiritual life. And I jumped right into the Bible studies and theology. And I, am, I, I, love, I love doctrine and I love all of that stuff, the intellectualism of faith. But as I started to become more and more involved with church, I started realizing, man, my emotional side is really far behind. I'm like having to deal with people, you know, as part of being a pastor and being at church, being a leader. is like I actually have to deal with people. And sometimes I get annoyed or hurt or somebody pains me or people talk behind my back or there's all kinds of things that happen. Uh, and I'm sure it happens in any profession, in any walk of life. Uh, you start to realize, why, how am I going to be able to deal with life if I constantly respond in these immature ways all the time? I'm sure if you're anything like me, responding in those type of ways to certain emotions that come up may have even gotten you in trouble, could have gotten you fired from a job, it could have broken relationships even. And so for me, I was like, I, I am far behind, I've got to catch up. And so... I didn't understand how to do it, 
and I felt like God was telling me as I got more and more deeper into his word and, and, and in recovery and all that, there's this word that was used often over and over again. It's you've got to surrender all of you. As we talked about God wants all of you, well, God wants us to surrender all of us so that he can work on us. As we were in the Shema series, we talked about the greatest commands, which means love God with all of your heart. And I hope we, we discovered that our heart means the seat of our mind, our will, and our emotions. God wants us to give all of that to him so he can come in and change it from the inside out. And so that's something that I've been working on and I think we all need to work on is allowing God to come into those parts of our heart that we haven't given to him yet, our emotional lives, our, our relational lives. And, and so the psalmist actually, uh, David wrote this psalm, Psalm 139, and in the first verse he says this, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. And so maybe that's scary for you as we read that. I have another verse from Psalm 139 at the end we're going to get to in just a moment. Uh, I would encourage you to go read this whole psalm today. Psalm 139, or talk about it in your small group. If you're in a small group this week, if you have a mentor, someone you can read this with and just really dig into uh, this topic of what we're talking about, or giving our whole heart to God so that he can change it, well, Maybe you're here today and you're like, oh, I don't want God to examine my heart because he's going to find some things that I don't want anybody to know, right? Maybe you're here and you're like, whoa, I didn't sign up for all this emotional stuff, right? I came here for theology. I came here for uh, a good Bible story so that I could apply it to my life and go home. Well, we are going to get into the Bible, but I would challenge you with this. Allow God to examine your heart. Take this series seriously as we get into the next five weeks, uh, because if we never do this, then we're never giving God our whole being. And then as we struggle with life out there, like we can all be, I've met so many people, myself included, we can be come to Jesus, get saved, trust in him, you know, have our sins forgiven. We know we're going to heaven, but then we can't understand why we can't have good relationships. And then we can't understand why we can't get over our anxiety and our depression and the things that keep us so worried that we're crippled sometimes and the fear and the anger that drives us to do things that we don't want to do. And so we need to ask God, come into our lives, you know everything about me, expose it like Jesus is the light that comes and shines in a dark place. Expose these things so that we can get them up and out. And I know that sounds a little bit scary, but it is worth it. And here's what David says in the the last two verses of Psalm 139. This is a prayer that I like to pray every day. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. He's saying, God, I want to get better at this. I want to be emotionally intelligent. I want to be emotionally mature. Lord, I want my relationships to grow and be better. I want to love other people like you told me to. I want to be healthy on the inside and have that joy that you always talk about, God. So test me and show me. Show me where I'm anxious. Show me where I'm worried. Point out the things that offend you. Now, this is interesting. As I was thinking about this verse, as I was preparing, I thought to myself, wow. God is the most gracious, forgiving, loving, patient, 
being in all of the universe. And he can still get offended. It says, point out anything in me that offends you. And so if that being can be offended, then I am going to bet a lot of money if gambling wasn't bad. (laughs) I would bet that all of the people in our lives can get offended even more than God can. And so we want God to help us quit being so offensive to other people as well. As we talked about, there's EQ deals with how I react to my own emotions and how I deal with the thoughts and the dialogue that's going on in my own head and comes from my own heart. And then how does it relate to treating other people? And so we need wisdom in this. We need guidance. We need some insight. And that's exactly what the Proverbs say. They're all about wisdom. It says, cry out for insight. Be willing. Be willing to ask for understanding in this area. If you're anything like me, I need understanding in this area when it comes to emotional maturity and understanding other people's emotions. And if you're married here today, I know that you feel the same way. My wife is the complete opposite of everything about me. And so sometimes I don't understand her emotions. And then what, what, what happens is because I don't understand, or if, I, I, if I'm honest, sometimes I don't care to understand because I'm not humble enough to ask for understanding to be empathetic to her. It causes a lot of fights, a lot of things we could avoid if, if I would ask for understanding in this area of emotional maturity and emotional intelligence. And this applies beyond marriage. I mean, if you're a kid, I would imagine you want your parents to understand your emotions, right? If you have, if you're a, if you have a coworker or a boss or an employee, you know, where you don't, don't understand how they operate and why they operate that way, and if your response is, you know, if, if this person would just think like me, wouldn't, wouldn't things be better? Our whole company would be better if this person thought like me and felt like me and acted like me. I know a lot of you have probably thought that before in your, whole, your mind, but God created us all as di- different, unique, diverse beings, but he still calls us to love each other and come together. And so, again, that's one of the benefits of emotional intelligence. So don't be afraid of emotions. Don't be afraid of digging these up. A lot of times people are afraid, but like I said, God created us this way. That's my second point is God created us as emotional, relational, and spiritual beings. By nature, these components are broken in all of us. So the first part of that is this, that God created us with these different aspects of our life, right? We, we have our spiritual side. We have the side that's supposed to relate to other human beings. We have the side that deals with how we deal with our inner selves and our inner nature. And God said it was good when he created, as a matter of fact, in Genesis 1.31, when God created human beings, he said he looked over all that he had made and he said it was very good. When he created man and woman on the sixth day of creation, He said, very good. We are unique above all other being that exists. Every other life form in the universe, humans, were created with a unique set of components. A spiritual life, an emotional life, a relational life, consciousness, all this type of stuff that no other being necessarily has. God created us and he he said, it's all good. It's good to have emotions. 
It's good to have, sometimes we think emotions are bad, but think about fear. Sometimes fear drives us to be smart and wise and protect ourselves. Sometimes anger drives us to fight, to fight for injustice, right? Sometimes uh, sadness gives us time to mourn and experience grief and it relieves us. I mean, sometimes there's even the good emotions, right? The, the good emotions, joy and wonder, it helps us worship God when we have emotions. God has emotions. And so he said it was very good when he created us this way. It's not like we're trying to avoid our emotions like I did so, so many years in my life. Uh, and he also created us and wired us to be in relationship with other people. God doesn't want lone rangers. So all you introverts out there, God wired you to be in connection with other people. It will help you stay safe. Now, I'm not saying you have to go put yourself around people all the time because that might not be healthy for you. But you do need to realize that that's how God wired you, that you do need to go be with people and have fellowship and relationship because that's what makes you healthy. Now, for me, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm an extrovert, and so part of me is knowing when to have boundaries with my extroversion because I, I say too much, I get too comfortable, and I start offending people. That's what happens when I, I start hanging out with people and I make friends way too fast. And it's like, whoa, you know, like, I barely know you. You're telling me your whole life story. And like, you know, you're speaking offensively. And that's what happens to me a lot. And so, again, there's a balance, but God created us relational. And then, obviously, spiritual to have that relationship with him. But as we said in that second sentence, all of this stuff is broken in us. It doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. When in the beginning, uh, Adam and Eve, the first human beings that God created, they decided to go their own way, trust in their own opinion, their own ideas. That's what sin is, rather than trusting in what God said and God's truth. So they ate the, the, the fruit from the knowledge of good and evil, and that caused a curse to come on not just them, but all humanity. Now we're all broken, and we're bent to be broken. We're bent now in all of those aspects and components of our lives. So emotionally, we uh, hide from our emotions. We don't like them. Sometimes they get overblown or exaggerated, right? And we hurt people because of that. Sometimes we're self-centered, right? And we, we uh, think about ourselves more than we think about others. We want to get our opinion out there rather than caring about somebody else at the moment. And then most importantly, our spiritual relationship is broken because of sin. And we need to be saved from that. We need God to come in and change us then. And so we start by trusting Jesus, he comes in and he takes care of that spiritual aspect at the first. The moment a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, when he died on the cross for our sins, when you believe that Jesus did what he said he did, and he said, and he is who he says he is, that he is God who has the power to come in and change your life, take away all that sin, past, present, and future. When you believe that, your spiritual life is changed, but God doesn't stop there. As I said earlier, many of you probably have put your faith in Jesus, and then you've wondered, why isn't my life changing? You know, Because God wants to change all of us. He wants to come on the inside out and change these broken hearts that we have. Here's what Jeremiah 17 says. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So while some people out there in the world will say, People are basically good. 
I mean, how many times have you heard that, right? Maybe you even believe that. Because it's hard not to look out there and not see some good going on and, and people wanting to do good. But, but what the Bible says, what theology would say, is that it's called the doctrine of original sin. When sin was passed down from Adam and Eve to everyone, now everybody is tainted with sin. This doesn't mean everybody does as bad as they could do. But everybody does sin and do bad. Everything seems to be tainted by sin. Even the greatest deeds out there are tainted by a little bit of selfishness or trying to gain or something like that, right? And so it's, it's like a, a beautiful stream. God created us healthy and, and, and full and a whole person, you know, emotional, spiritual, relational. But then in a healthy stream, somebody dumped to toxic waste at the head of the stream, and now it's just tainted all of that water. And now, even though, you know, you can't totally tell as you look into it, you know that every part of it is bad. And that is what the Bible tells us, is that we need God not only to save our souls, but our hearts. We need him to come into us and change us from the inside out. And so that's my last point. God changes you from the inside out, impacting the spiritual, emotional, and relational side of you. Now, as I said before, um, we're a constant work in progress after trusting in Jesus. Things don't just change all at once. God wants to work on us, and uh, sometimes that work hurts, and it's hard. If you think about like a, a sculptor, right? Like, and sometimes when the clay's hardened, he's got to chip away at some different areas to make that beautiful masterpiece. And sometimes it feels like we're being chipped away at. We're being chipped away at to become that art. And that, that sculpting is painful sometimes. And sometimes it takes work on our part as well. Jesus did everything for to secure our salvation to go to heaven when we trust in him and him alone, not by being religious and doing any acts of work or service. But God does want us, now that we have been changed out of gratitude, to want to grow into being more holy people, better people, righteous people. And so some of that takes work on our part, and part of that is going to be working on emotional maturity and emotional intelligence. Because if God says that it's that important to love others, here's what he says. Here's our theme verse. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. God thinks it's equally important that we love other people too. How are we going to get better at that? It's going to take a lot of work. Especially if you were anything like I was where I had been masking and hiding and trying to cope with my emotions by self-medicating or running and hiding, right? It's going to take work, but I want you to know that that work is worth it. Um, earlier this year, we went to Oregon, me, my family, and another family from Brigham, one of the overseers, and we took a road trip to Oregon to the coast to visit a friend. And we saw a lot of beautiful things, and I was charged with the the task of bringing us back, back to Utah on the way home. And uh, I was like, man, I want to see something beautiful on the way home. And so I 
charted Google Maps and said, let's take us to Crater Lake. And uh, it, was, it took us an extra day to get home. I didn't know it was going to take that long to get home, but it took an extra day to take, get home because Google took me on this path that was like this windy road, 35 miles an hour for hours upon hours. And we had kids in the car, and we had people following us, wondering if we're going the right way. There was complaining going on. We were worried about if we were going to have a place to stay because the, only, the closest hotel was probably two hours away. It was getting dark. But finally, after all that driving, we finally pull up into the park. We start walking up. You can't see Crystal Lake and or. Crater Lake until you get up to the edge and finally you get up there and it was like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this, you know? It's like all still water because it's like this, this uh, they say it was like, kind of like a volcano that collapsed and uh, imploded. And so now there's this circle, it's like a perfect circle and like the walls are thousands of feet high so nothing can really get down in there. And the water doesn't really get touched. It's like clean, clear water. And it looked so amazing, and it was beautiful. And we, we all said to ourselves, even though we could stay for 30 minutes because we had to get going, we said, we don't want to leave. And we said, you know what? It was worth it. That extra day and the complaining and the hard work it took to get there, it was worth going to see this beautiful landscape. And I want to tell you this. If you're struggling thinking, man, I don't know if I'm ready to work with God on myself on the inside yet, I want you to know that it's worth it. I want you to know that maybe you feel like you failed too many times and it's going to be too hard. I want you to know that God thinks you're worth it and that you're valuable. He sent his son to come and die specifically for you if you've trusted in Jesus. He thinks you're worth more than you could even imagine. And so, no matter what other people have told you in your life, you are valuable, you're important, and you are worth working with God on yourself and allowing him to come into your life and to bring you that joy, that, that joy and that complete, full relationship with God and that maturity that he wants to bring in you and me, we're all worth it. There's so many things going on in the world right now trying to pull our attention away and get us to not think about these things and not work on ourselves and to not be humble. But if there was any time that, was, that it was important, I would say it's now. Here's what John 10.10 10 says. Jesus, This is Jesus talking. Here's what he says. The thief's purpose. He's talking about Satan. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy and my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Another, another translation says life and life abundantly. Eternal life. He wants to give us that life, but that eternal life can start now and move on into the future. We can have abundant life, satisfying life, a joyous life as we allow God to do this work. Again, I'm going to give you a theological word. Sanctification is what it's called. When he comes into you and he changes you and he makes you more holy and you work together with him on all those things that you need to work on, especially your emotional and relational side, as you allow God to do this in you, 
We can fight against Satan and the enemy. We can tell him he is a liar and a thief. He's come to destroy. I would, I would venture to say that he is behind a lot of the pain and the worry and the struggle that's going on in our world right now. But we can overcome him, the Bible says. We have overcome the world and we have defeated the enemy through the power and faith of Jesus Christ. And so if you're a believer here with me today, rest and assure that you can have abundant life by working on yourself. So that's my challenge today. Come back for this series. Uh, get involved even beyond just on Sundays. Try to find a small group. Get a mentor if you want to talk more about this. As Brian was saying, you can go to the website and, and dig deep in some of this stuff and have these conversations because they matter. It's worth it. And if you haven't trusted in Jesus today, you can do that. You can do that by having the right information with the right attitude. You believe that he did what he said he did, and he is who he says he is, and that applies to you. You can be forgiven and set free and be on your road to loving God and loving others as well. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you for your love for us that you want to come into our lives and not just leave us alone, but work on us with us. God, it's scary. God, I don't know what's hidden down deep in my heart sometimes. I'm, I'm scared to unpack some of that. And some people might think uh, I'm crazy, you know, if they see some of the stuff that comes out of me. And, and, and others might uh, judge me or uh, I might judge myself and I might hold all kinds of judgments against myself. But let me trust Help us to trust that you've wiped all that away. You've come in and you've set us free. We have a clean slate. You love us. You've forgiven us. We trust in that and we ask for your help to work on our hearts as well. In Jesus' name, amen.